Blog Talk Radio. And thank you for joining us for Three Women, Three Ways. We're the show that tackles some pretty significant topics and some pretty heavy topics. But today we have a treat for you because we're dealing with two comedians um, out on the East Coast in the Boston area. And uh, they're real active in comedy. They're very active in putting together uh, an event uh, called Women in Comedy Festival, which we'll talk about more later. And... um, Welcome, Sheila, and welcome, Elise. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) This is Sheila. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay. Nice to have you, too. Excuse me. Elise, would you give us just a little bit of uh, background on uh, how you come to comedy? Sure. Um, I actually am not a stand-up. I came through into comedy through the improv world um, here in Boston. I started in 1999 at a really great theater called Improv Boston. And um, Improv Boston uh, officially started in the early 90s, but it had been around long before that. Uh, Jane Curtin was in a first incarnation that was a sketch group, and some of them sort of came on and started an improv theater. Um, So I began there in 1999, and I managed the theater for five years and moved us to a bigger space. And... um, and uh, performed up until a couple of years ago uh, regularly, and then uh, I had kids, and it got more expensive and timely to, <laughs> to do that. Uh, and it got harder I, to find funny things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just that yeah. tired all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were too, too afraid that if you got out there, you'd start crying. But yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Or just take a nap yeah. on stage, I think, was the bigger, yeah. <laughs> bigger draw. Exactly. Been there. Uh, Been there. Uh, they, and they used to think horses were the only ones animal that could sleep standing up, you know? Oh, yeah. um, I, I, I completely space out from time to time, standing, running, driving, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's really scary is when you're making doing an errand and all of a sudden you kind of come to, like, where am I? What was I doing? You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Autopilot. Yeah, I Autopilot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I raised two kids who are adults now. Um mm. But in many ways, <laughs> they, don't, they don't necessarily change that much. Um, no. Okay, so <laughs> so if I could have you introduce yourself, too, um, Sheila. Yeah, sure, yes. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of similar to Elise. I, I, I came up into comedy through improvisation and also through the Improv Boston Theater School, um, and that's where I met Elise. She was one of my instructors. And um, when she um, and Michelle and Maria were starting the Women in Comedy Festival, I was very interested in becoming involved in any capacity. Um, Mm -hmm. My other um, entry into comedy is kind of through academic channels. Um, It's something that I was always interested in when I was working on my um, doctorate. Um, I have a background in in theater and gender, and, um, and I would often find myself looking historically at, at comedy stuff and specifically women in comedy and everything. So um, so I've done some performing, but I've done a lot of appreciating <laughs> and, um, and thinking about comedy and stuff. And so um, I was really happy to, to be involved with the festival when it started and to um, just and help 
grow it. And um, and so that's how I've I've come to know and work with Elise. And um, it's been great. Boston is a is a really great little comedy community that um, not a lot of people maybe think of as like a go to comedy place, but we have really exciting stuff going on here and a lot of great performers and stuff. So it's good, good community. And it's worth pointing out, um, uh, Boston was a huge hub for stand-up in the late 70s and 80s. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people came through Boston. Um, One of my favorites, Paula Poundstone, started here. um, But we've had, Mm -hmm. it was a really hop-in place, and I think it sort of slowed down in the 90s, and now it's sort of picked up back again. Um, Well, didn't it do that just about everywhere? Yeah, it's true. I think there was a little bit of a dip, but this was really a hot spot to be scouted. I think that was yeah. the bigger thing, that a lot of the really great people just, and people just love to come see comedy. It had great audiences. Um, again, I'm sure New York, Chicago, and L.A. were all very similar, and San Francisco, too, but um, just to get seen, and uh, my understanding was that that, that era was really important. Um, yeah. Time, uh, I know in Seattle area, we used to have more comedy clubs than we have uh, now. Yeah. Um, so they just kind of went by the wayside. But comedy doesn't pay very well unless you happen to be, you know, a Joan Rivers or, you know, a, a, a big, huge name. Um, am mm-hmm. I right about that? Yeah, I think this is Elise. I think um, it's. Uh, I think you can make a living at it for sure. I mean, I know a lot of people and people we've had headline at our festival are road comics and they perform, you know, at colleges and venues all over the place and they make a living and, you know, they can eat <laughs> and yeah. party, get from place to place. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it is, it's tricky to kind of jump to the next level, um, you know, and I think a lot, of, a lot of sitcoms started, you know, in the 80s, of course, with uh, people who were stand-ups. I mean, even before that, um, mm-hmm. much long before that, people were stand-ups and then they would get a, a sitcom and that was sort of the natural progression. Um, but I yeah. think it's changed drastically. The whole art form has changed things to you know, technology. Anybody can put up a show online and get seen and go do it. You don't have to spend 10 years on the road getting seen by everybody before you can have a big break. So it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah the, it is an interesting the, the time, I'm not just for, for comedy or show business, but, uh, um, you know, look at how many of our um, pop culture idols got, got their start with the Internet. Uh, I believe yeah. Justin Bieber did. Uh, you know, he just, of course, you know, maybe we shouldn't be talking about Justin Bieber. Um, but <laughs> Aww, the <laughs> Biebs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, there are several artists who definitely got their starts um, via the mm-hmm. Internet. Um, mm-hmm. So the reason, of course, that we are talking about this topic at this particular time is because of Joan Rivers' passing. And yeah. a lot of the... Um, uh, Publicity and a lot of the the uh, news articles I've been reading about her just really praise what she had to do uh, about with women in comedy. And I'm old, you know, I'll admit it. And I remember back when I was a kid, it was very rare to see a woman on TV um, mm-hmm. doing comedy. And when she was, it was usually usually self depreciating comedy, mm-hmm. um, where you know where she made basically made fun of herself and. Right. I haven't seen that necessarily for a long time, although I do believe Joan Rivers did it a lot, uh, but then she turned it somewhere along the line and started making fun of other people, you know, that their clothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what about women in comedy? What? How has it changed? What have we done? Um, 
differently? I mean, what what has changed with women in comedy? Um, this is Elise. Uh, a lot has a lot has changed, but some things have oddly stayed the same. I think, you know, the the bottom line is people like what if it's funny, then they'll like it. And I think the tricky part that that women have come up against is more along the lines of people who produce and stack shows. And I think um, there are more cheerleaders for women. And it was sort of, it was sort of, I mean, it's a boys club from my understanding. Of course, I'm in of a different era and um, I'm in a small, small community in comedy, but from all of that we've read, Sheila, maybe you'll want to talk more about it. I think um, it, a lot of it has to do with how you just get out there in the first place. You know, I think if you're, funny once you get on stage and you can be seen and you're funny then you'll make it and um spend more on the side of getting out being able to have the opportunity to spend that trickier part i mean there's a lot more than to it than that sheila you might want to comment well yeah yeah so this is sheila and um i mean there certainly have been lots of shifts in industry which i think is what elise is talking about and Mm -hmm. where you get seen and how you get seen and how you grow your brand and your identity and all that kind of stuff and in a lot of ways it's a really exciting kind of wide open playing field and then in some ways it is we're still bumping our head against a comedy glass ceiling in other areas and stuff I think that uh, culturally and and socially um, I think women comics have definitely branched out into finding their own voice in a lot of ways and um, I think Joan Rivers when she started out she was certainly came out of a tradition of back from like vaudeville in the early 1900s. There were lots of women who were doing similar to what she did where they were very self-deprecating and, and they would be considered kind of like mannish or not attractive and they would use that as comedy relentlessly. Um, and they were quite successful and quite beloved and, and very, very popular and stuff. And and so then I think, though, as she became more visible and I think as more women looked to her to see what she was doing and how she was doing it, then they sort of came to crib on that and, and find their own voice. So you had someone like Ellen DeGeneres in the 80s doing a lot of sort of observational stuff like Seinfeld would be doing, you know, and, and it was mm-hmm. less about dating or, you know, my relationship with my mom or things that were maybe considered women's topics in some way. Um, and, and you and had racial comics, you know, like Whoopi Goldberg was doing sort of a performance art of kind, you know, that wasn't just set up in punchline. She was storytelling and bringing out characters and all kinds of, you know, interesting, really cool stuff. Yeah, and prior to them, there, you know, of course, too, there's Mom's Mabley, who's a huge mm. influence, I think, on Whoopi Goldberg and... Um, a lot of, you know, women that could play really strong characters. I think that's sort of how women were able to muscle their way in because the Borscht Belt style humor and vaudeville and all that was sort of the reign over into the 50s. Um, And then um, you had Phyllis Diller basically broke open everything. She was, you know, she's who um, most women stand-ups will talk about when they talk about their first influences. you know, especially in Joan Rivers' era, they talk a lot about her. Um, she was this really strong, wild character, self-deprecating and kind of offered a voice that you didn't see as often, especially in comedy clubs. Um, so, yeah. Well, 
If you'd like to join our conversation, uh, give us a call at 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. Give us a call, join in, and um, let us uh, hear what you have to say about women in comedy. You know, uh, ladies, it, it, it uh, interests me that you you go back so far. I mean, like the Mums Mabley. I mean, I can barely remember the name, and yet <laughs> you guys are referring to her as a as a an icon, so to speak, in the w- field of women's comedy. So, I it sounds to me like there's a lot more women uh, comedians out there than we may acknowledge as a culture. Oh, yeah. Well, that, one know. of my favorite. Yeah, one of my favorite recently, I hadn't really thought about them as often. You hear their name a lot when you're in theater or comedy, you know, it's Nichols and May. And they, mm-hmm. just, just mm-hmm. to give a little perspective, they um, they came to New York from Chicago uh, and they were performing at a theater that, uh, a theater company that folded, but then it kind of rebranded itself and became Second City. Um, oh. David Shepard and Paul Sills. Uh, the Compass Players, that was what they were called, was the first incarnation. And they, Nichols and May, came from there. And they were the first ones to not kind of be these really wild characters, but they were more real but hilarious mm-hmm. at the same time. And I think they really shaped sketch comedy. I mean, mm-hmm. even further back, of course, you have George Burns and Gracie Allen and you know, what Cecilia yeah. was doing. But Nichols and May, I feel like, really kind of shifted the landscape for modern sketch comedy and um, well, really. there again with Gracie Allen, um, you know, she, that team, from what I have seen of them, I never liked them when I was a kid because Mm-mm. Gracie was a kind of a, I don't know, she was, she was kind of a, he was kind of like daddy. And yeah. it was the same thing with Lucille Ball. Hate it. Every time I've seen a rerun of, of Lucille Ball, I don't find it that amusing because you know her role is so much of you know hiding things from Ricky and and mm-hmm. you know holding you know <laughs> worrying about Ricky's reaction and and I just don't find that particularly humorous. Um, right. Well, um, so one of one of the things I think that's going on is the historical context of of that and in in uh, Burns and Allen and stuff where you had very traditional gender roles happening you know out in the public sphere so. Um, so you sort of saw that replayed on stage, and then the I think some of the charm and some of the subversiveness of some of these duos is how those gender roles kind of get overturned, because even though Gracie is kind of the ditzy, (laughs) you know, very, she's sort of an airhead and stuff, but she is often the one driving the laughs, and she's often the one that's actually in control of the comedy much more, than George Burns was. And so these women had a lot more power. And, I mean, Lucille Ball is, you know, she ran that, the I Love Lucy show, she ran that show. And she dominated comedically, you know. Even if, I had an aunt who said um, that she didn't like her either. She said, she embarrasses me. I feel very embarrassed when I watch Lucy. And I can yeah. understand because she is kind of like, you know, she, she's physical comedy and so she's getting herself into these scenarios that are so ridiculous. And they, it's kind of humiliating and stuff. But she, it's, it, in terms of like a, a comedic power dynamic, she is harnessing that and controlling that. No one's tuning in because Ricky is so hilarious. 
<laughs> yeah, <know>? exactly. <laughs> Ricky so was just kind of coincidental to the whole thing, actually, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he, he was, was a great he was man. A great, yeah, and a great foil, and she could, uh, you know, his accent, which, you know, was kind of racist the way she made fun of it. Now we would think of it that way, but, I mean, she, they yeah. could play on that kind of comedy and stuff. So the gender politics throughout um, the kind of evolution of, of comedy or women in, involvement in comedy is, is also really interesting, and I think it's something that is always worth kind of keeping in mind when we're when we're thinking about the impacts that these performers and stuff have had. Yeah. Well, it, I, I'm not a comedian, so forgive me, but um, I remember reading a story about um, Gracie Allen, and mm-hmm. apparently George had an affair, and he felt so horrible about it that he... Um, uh, bought her a bunch of stuff she wanted for the house. You know, he bought her a new bedroom suite or something, you know, outrageous. And a few years later, she was talking to a friend, and she said, I wish George would have another affair. I need a new dining room set. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's kind of like, well, you know, there. I, I saw that as kind of a powerful thing, you know, that mm-hmm. she was willing to look at this not as something where she was wounded, but as something where she could... Um, turn it around to her benefit, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of um, women comedians who um, do do that that kind of thing. They they turn it around and they get their power kind of surreptitiously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless you have the uh, Joan Rivers or the, um, uh, oh, who was the one you just said? Um, you know, the, the Phil Stillers, you know. Yeah, so they, Stiller, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they just jump up and grab it, but you know, <laughs> a lot of a lot of women don't do that, I don't think. And again, I'm not a professional and I'm not an academic in humor, but um, I just know what I know, you know. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. oh, it's great. And there's um, yeah. not, I, I want to. I feel terrible doing this, but I have to plug this really great book that um, we had the writer comes for festival a couple of years ago named Yael Cohen, and she wrote a little history. Of, it started off as an article that was in Mary Claire, and she wrote a book called We Killed, and it's uh, The Rise of Women in American Comedy. Is the, it's the title, and it's fantastic, and it really just, she pulls a lot of quotes, it's mostly kind of built on quotes by, you know, people in the comedy industry from the beginning of time, basically, um, and then gives it kind of uh, perspective and uh, occasionally with her own voice, but um, it's just fantastic. If this is really a topic that interests the person that's the book to get, um, she talks a lot about all these ladies and how they found their voice. And, you know, I think a lot of them were just really strong, had a strong comedic voice to begin with, and that's what got them seen. Um, Interesting. And and my personal experience, which I admit is limited, um, the comedians I know are really not that funny in real life. I mean, they're kind of like, kind of sad. <laughs> and it's like, use the, well, you know, I mean, I'm making vast generalizations here, but um, it's kind of like they are using the comedy almost as a, as a therapeutic way to live their lives. Am I making oh, yeah, a I would. Yeah, I would even say it's a drug for some people. I mean, it just feels amazing when you're on stage and you have anywhere from five people to thousands of people laughing at something that you've said, especially when it's something you've written. It's pretty magical, and I think that that adrenaline and that feeling is is as good as, you know, Prozac or any other medication. You know, it feels Mm -hmm. great. It doesn't last forever. (laughs) 
it certainly feels pretty gratifying for at least a night, you know, and it's sad. And I think people that are... I was just going to add um, that it's also um, a tremendous amount of work, like especially Um, Mm stand-up. Not just like going to gigs and booking gigs and, you know, doing your career and stuff like that, but like the the writing of the material. Um, Cameron Esposito, who has been to the festival a few times, she's just a wonderful, generous human being and a a great performer. And um, she um, had an article out recently where she talked about like the repetition of of delivering the jokes and and writing and like how much goes into that whole process and um as an audience member and stuff like you just you just don't think about that i mean it it seems so flawless and you know it's kind of like rehearsed but you know you yeah you watch people and you just think like oh they probably just you know they write that five minutes before they got on stage and they just did it and (laughs) you know or whatever and so um so people so yeah i think a lot of comedians are are serious people in a sense (laughs) because it's a really serious thing to do (laughs) it sounds weird (laughs) Yeah, I, I think yeah. chefs are similar. You know, chefs have to create the, the the art comes from being able to recreate the same dish over and over again in a night. You know, it's any any artist that has to, you know, create and create and create, they have to really have that uh, laser like focus to be able to yeah. to get it right over and over again. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think that the again, my experience is very limited. Um, but um, I think there is kind of a drive to do that, um, and that kind of keeps people in it, you know, maybe longer than it's economically good for them. But, you know, because I imagine it's like any other area of show business. It's very tough to really make a career of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had, um, we've had panels at our festival and uh, discussed, Usually, have one panel where we just we just discuss the industry and what people have learned and and that kind of thing. And we had a really great panel a few years ago. Um, and I remember I think it was I think it was Jen Kirkman, uh, who's a comedian and wrote for Chelsea lately. And uh, she she said basically it takes ten years. I think it was her. I'm, hope, I'm hoping I'm quoting her correctly. It takes ten years to um, kind of make it. Somebody mm-hmm. on that panel. Uh, but, yeah, you have to keep kind of working and working and working. And maybe it was Kristen Shaw on that panel, too, so maybe it was her. But at any rate, I thought that that, was, that really stuck with me, that I think people that want to go into that industry, they have to really be serious and constantly practice and do and do and do and make good friends and treat people kindly. And after 10 years, there's a good chance you'll at least start making a living. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And not yeah, everybody sure. can do that. I mean, you know, I mean, you yeah. you have a couple kids, whatever, and you know, whatever you thought you were going to do sometimes takes a backseat to reality, real life. Oh, know? absolutely. And sometimes I wonder if that's not why women tend to drop from it out of you know mm-hmm. after time because you know we feel some I don't know maybe I'm generalizing and this is terrible, but I feel like sometimes we just are like, all right, it's time to you know, your biological clock ticks or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, maybe that, that might just be a portion of the population. But, um, you know, we've had some comics talk about how they don't want to, um, some women comics just don't enjoy the road. They don't enjoy traveling. Mm-hmm. And, and that also slows them down from yeah. kind of making it that way. So, mm-hmm. but then, you know, well, again, and, like and we talked about. 
Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So the successful women comedians that we have now, I know Paula Poundstone has adopted a lot of children. Um, Mm -hmm. Certainly um, Rosie, um, what's her last name? O'Donnell. O'Donnell, mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's had children, but she had them later. I think they both had them later after yeah. their careers were pretty established. Yeah. Um, how many, um, you know, I mean, I, can, I think you can say this about almost any career. You know, how many of them really have children? How many of them forgo children in order to uh, dedicate more time to their craft? Um, I, you know, um, Kathy Griffith has no children. Um, I don't know. I, am I reaching for straws here yeah. or no it's, it's, i'm just thinking about it because phil ziller is like he's probably the only person who had a slew of children and then made her fortune in comedy because she she had five children and her husband basically could not find work for whatever reason and so yeah. she went to work started doing something not comedy related as i remember i've heard the story in a while but then she kind of started doing stand-up and kind of gay clubs and they loved her and then she kicked off and made it and she's got five kids yeah. to begin with i think that's so roseanne barr i think it's like it's hard you either have to have them right early and then start your career or it seems like you gotta have them after you've made it or adopt much later in life i don't know and i don't feel like men have the same problem that's just really frustrating mm, men yeah. don't have this oh i gotta stay home i don't want to i want to see them grow up you know i don't i don't know why it is but it it is like that well, yeah. it's also well, yeah, welcome I mean, to the self- world, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. every career. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Women, uh, you know, women have been making those choices for a long time. Um, yeah. You know, whether to go with what's in their heart or whether they want children or whatever. You know, I mean, there's, it, those choices have been made by women for m- many years. Um, yes. And I don't see that the choices are changing that much. Um, you know, probably I'm old and jaded, but I don't think that. <laughs> I, you know, I. I you know, women who say they have it all, I'm, I'm very leery of because you only have so much time, you only have so much energy, and yeah. something has to, has to give. I mean, somebody, I've, I've gone through periods in my life where I've been extremely busy, you know, several jobs and, you know, school and blah, 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 and I had somebody ask me once, I don't know how you do so much, and I said, it's very easy, I do it all half-assed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I think that's a choice that a lot of, of women have had to make. Now. Yeah. Um, do I feed my children? Yeah. No, it's really well. It's, and it's, and um, uh, Joan Rivers just had one child, um, which mm-hmm. you know anybody with multiple children will know that one child is a lot of work, but it grows exponentially compared, you know, <laughs> according to the number mm-hmm. of children you have. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's that that those choices continue today. Um, yeah. And it, just depends on how you want to handle it, but uh, I definitely think there are choices that have to be made in anyone's life. You know, I mean, really. Uh, yeah, I know. think in all career paths, it's hard because um, stand up. I, I mean, anything. I mean, it seems to me in the entertainment industry just requires more than an eight-hour day or a ten-hour day. Mm-hmm. Even you know, you have to constantly mm-hmm. be writing, and then the travel is crazy. And again, it seems like it's unfair, but I think less women will take jobs that force them to travel once they have children because they don't want to be so far away. And I mean, there's obviously yeah. exceptions to that rule. And, and you can say, well, I'll take the kids with me, but that's, oh, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. 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 And then you get mm-hmm. caught up in that whole school schedule thing. Um, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah, having kids makes life tough. 
Um, definitely adds a new, a different dimension. Yeah. Challenge. Exactly. <laughs> um, and Alicia, you fun. said you have what? Two kids? I have two kids. One five and uh, one two three. He just turned three. Sorry. Oh, yeah, so they're enjoy tiny. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> enjoy it. Although they're, um, they're pretty fun, actually, I, at this age. They're, they're, they're little comics themselves, so. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. And then they go through the little lawyer stage, you know, <laughs> that, that stage where <laughs> you say, get that out of your mouth, and so they put it in their ear, and when you say, why did you put the Well, you told me to get it out of my mouth. You didn't tell me that I couldn't put it in my ear, you know. Um, <laughs> they, you know, I always call this little lawyer stage. You know, we're going by every single word literally. You know, <laughs> yeah, you didn't say. Uh, I remember passing by some woman that had a kid. They're walking down the street, and she said, "Stop touching everything." And I could just be, you know, that kid retorting, "Why well, you want me to stand on the ground? Well, I can't help it. I'm touching the ground." <laughs> yeah, exactly, making, exactly. And and take, yeah, kids are a whole huge source of humor. I, I was reading a, mm-hmm. uh, I guess somebody wrote a book or something. Anyway, I got this story from uh, the newspaper, but. Um, this family's kid, this little kid, loved going to the airport and watching the airplanes take off, and and they finally had a chance to get on the plane and go see grandma. So as they're sitting on the plane, the kid is looking real anxious, and the parents are worried that he's might might be afraid. And so they say, "What's what? You know, why are you nervous? What's why are you upset?" And and the kid said, "I'm okay. I just want to know when we're going to get small." Because <laughs> <laughs> of course, all he has seen is that. The airplanes take off and it gets small. Yeah, um, oh, that's so cute. Isn't that cute? You know. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, the the children, I think, are because they do see things so literally, uh, and they're not old enough at that point to be um, subversive and sneaky. Um, <laughs> you know, they're a tr- tremendous source of humor, I think. Well, and here's the the funny part. Was to relate back to our topic today. I feel like. They're equally as funny as boys and girls when they're, you know, when they're really tiny and they stay that way for so long. And then something happens, I think, where um, there is some pushback in the gender of, you know, what's the, you know, so it's not yet the women especially, I think, police each other with what's okay to be silly or grotesque or hilarious. You know, I think there's a phase where it's challenging um, to go through that. And yet, you know, we all start from the same place. um, Yeah. And then we find it again. I think we we meet our girlfriends, and then we stop caring about <laughs> yeah <laughs> what people what people friends that didn't think. Well, um, who was it? Yeah. I, Nancy Friday. I might have been uh, the author who wrote the that uh, um, men, uh, menopausal woman is right back to where she was pre adolescence. Doesn't care yeah. so much about what people think of her. Starts thinking about mm-hmm. what she wants to do over what other people want to do. But for that period during those child rearing ages or potential child rearing ages, um, mm-hmm. women change whether it's social or or psychological or environmental. I mean, who the heck knows? But they do change. Um, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, so. You know, that's that's when women get back to doing the, the humor and things like that. Elise, do you plan on, on you, well, you never have done stand-up, right? That's not your really th- your thing. No, I, I really love collaboration. And I don't think I've ever had a job where there wasn't a huge part of it. Uh, I didn't spend time collaborating. Um, so, yeah, I, I still perform and I teach at, this, at Improv Boston, this theater here, um, occasionally. And uh, But the festival that we run, you know, has become more, pretty close to a full-time job so 
That's oh, what yeah. I'm focusing. It's just putting everybody else out there to get seen and, uh, and that kind of thing. And has attendance changed over the years? You've been doing it for how many years now? Um, it, uh, it started in 2009, and um, it was just a few shows at this one theater, and then it just uh, grew and grew and grew, and now we take over many venues in the city, and we have, uh, last year we had Maria Bamford um, and uh, Amy Sedaris were uh, the headliners, as well as um, we had, uh, I'm sorry, Aaron Jackson, uh, who's fantastic. We had Lindy Lehman, who was just on um, America's Got Talent. And mm-hmm. uh, we had I'd bring, uh, Judy Gold, oh, Judy Gold, who I love. She's a fabulous comic. Um, mm-hmm. and, I like uh, her. I like her. Yes. Yeah. And Cameron Esposito and let me see somebody. Jackie Keith. Yeah, Carol Leifer. Carol Leifer. A few years ago, Although, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so it's, that was uh, this year. But every year we bring in about five to ten people who are bigger names and then um, bring the people who we think are the most cutting edge and interesting acts. We know stand-up sketch improv storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, we're adding a film component this year. Um we feel like that's an important next step. Uh, and it's by four nights of shows and workshops, classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And do you televise we, any of that um, so that people in different areas of the country can see it? Sadly, not yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> good, good. good. Um, come to Boston. It's in the, in the end of April. It's a good time to come here. Yeah. Um, I notice, you know, I do the Netflix thing, and I notice that there are an awful lot of um, Netflix offerings that have to do with stand-up comedians. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to think whether I've seen mostly men or most... I don't think I've seen a whole lot of women in those those movies, if you will. Yeah, it's very possible. um, I went to Comedy Central announced um, their... They do half-hour comedy specials throughout the year, and they tape them, tape them all in Boston this year. And uh, out of the ten comedians that they ha- they showcased, two of them were women. <laughs> very yeah, yeah. Frustrating. Hmm. Um, frustrating. It happens, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. where we sort of bump up against that, like, you know, how far has the industry come? Like, when is it going to catch up with the the wealth of women that are doing this and that are, you know, in and keep getting more involved. That's kind of what it well, probably feels like. not until we value women. At, well, women's humor. Is there such a thing as women's humor? No, I hate that term. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're wrong. No. <laughs> I think that there's all kinds in every... And If you come to see one show at our festival, it'll have 10 stand-ups. You'll see 10 completely different perspectives, and maybe one of them talks about things that typically happen to just women, but most everybody's talking about somewhat universal experiences. Well, yeah, and, you know, I think it's a matter of, of the filter. You know, when you're working on your act and your identity, you're finding your filter, which is how you see the world and what has shaped that. And um, and and that I think people have sort of mistaken that or for, like, a, a women's humor, men's humor conversation, or else they've wanted to grasp that onto it. But yeah. but I really think it's it's that so that, you know, it's not as polarizing and, um, yeah. 
So. I, you know, I went to, uh, I don't frequent comedy clubs, but I did go with a friend a couple of times. And one time um, I was there and the male comedian was just, oh my God. I mean, I, I can swear like a sailor when it's appropriate, but this guy was, <laughs> I mean, he was just mean. You know, he was just mm-hmm. mean. And my companion and I were both wanted to get out of there, but we were both afraid mm-hmm. to leave because <laughs> we thought he would bash <laughs> us on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was mm-hmm. kind of a mean comedy. Um, and I have seen that before. I've, I've seen where it's, it's just kind of a meanness, and because it's so mean, people laugh at it. Um, mm-hmm. But I have rarely but, seen women do that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, yeah. At least the Lampinelli <laughs> can hold around, you know, <laughs> as far as, you know, inappropriate and blue. And, I mean, there's definitely women that are like that. And there's, I think comics have, there's some comics that love shock value. And, you know, that mm-hmm. you go into the philosophy of uh, how comedy works, but, uh, you know, you're creating tension and releasing tension. And that's part mm-hmm. of what makes something funny. And, um, and I think that people that are that, I don't know, that angry and blue and go into the more blue area tend to really exploit that idea of humor that they're creating attention and making the audience uncomfortable and then they ease it and then they go right back into it. But I think it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's just the style. Everyone's got their own style. Yeah. yeah. And I think for women or not for women, but some women, some of the reaction to that and if you, if you feel uncomfortable with that is um, I think we're still uncomfortable with seeing women behaving certain ways or using certain yep. words or phrases. But that, again, is kind of this, like, hangover from, like, the 19th and early 20th century where we had these ideas about women being chaste and quiet and, you know, <laughs> Dainty and pure, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and pure <laughs> and, and kind of like Gracie, you know, like lovely to look at and kind of silly but harmless. Yeah. And then yeah. you have well, you know, I mean, during Victorian era, they had, you know, they had huge, you know, uh, discussions and and uh, investigations into whether women actually had a soul. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so you know, <laughs> what a stupid conversation. You know, we have to find out. What, you know, I mean, do dogs and women have souls? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and it was the um, same thing with humor. They did not believe that women had a sense of humor, like the sense of humor. They believed it was like physically not in your body. Oh my gosh. There's, okay. Yeah. There's, um. there's, there's a, yeah. There's a an um. There's an art. There was an article in a newspaper that I read, and it was like I don't know around like 1900s or 1907 or something like that. And the writer sort of made the phrase of like, "Woman came from Adam's rib, and she like she gave it back to him for the laugh or something like that." Meaning like she had no women don't have, they don't possess the sense of humor, so how could they possibly, you know, be funny? That was yeah. a big conversation at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and, you know, women, uh, back in the day, I suppose, women's sources of material would be family and friends. I mean, mm-hmm. what else would they have? And if you uh, were a man during that era and assumed that family all was, was the woman's domain and you didn't need to be concerned about it, I can see where you know, men would think, well, that's not funny. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're just not funny. Um, but um, I have seen a change in that. I think that that um, a lot of 
I, I don't see as much of this idea of, well, women go to women comedians and, and you know, men go to see the real comedian. You know, I, I, I mm-hmm. haven't seen that in, in years and years and years and years. No, and our, our audience is equal. So we, we're, the majority of our performers are women because we do actually allow men in our festival. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> half, 50% of our audience is men, and sometimes mm-hmm. some audience is even more. So clearly they're, it's, this is an urban environment, but I can't believe that the smaller towns and stuff are that much further behind. I think it's pretty pretty much becoming the norm. That, uh, I think it's pretty antiquated to think that women aren't funny or that women aren't as funny as men. And mm-hmm. the, the hilarious thing to me is that, that sentiment you hear from time to time. You'll hear that, and you'll, say, you'll ask somebody, well, why do you feel that way? And you're like, well, I once saw this, this uh, open mic night, and all, the, the <laughs> woman there wasn't funny, and it was, there was only one woman. And you know, maybe a set of ten. This wasn't funny, and there were also nine men who weren't funny. But there was one. <laughs> My math was bad. Yeah. Eight, eight men who were, you know, not funny, but one man was was hilarious in that. Therefore, men are funny. It's just such a ridiculous, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. way to come to it. Anyway. Well, like to like to join us in this it. conversation, if you would give us a call at six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. That's six four six. Three seven eight zero four three zero. Give us your two cents worth, or tell us a good joke. You know, we can always hear a good joke. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, humor about women. Um, I was uh, doing a little research, and I don't know who said this, but I ran across several um, several things, and I'm uh, quotes, and I'm thinking, okay, these are not attributed, so I don't know whether they were written by a man or a woman. Um, but I would like to run these two quotes by you and see what you think, male or female uh, author. One quote is, I'll never understand why once a month women go completely crazy for 30 days. The other one is, you can tell a lot about a woman by her hands. For instance, if they're placed around your throat, she's probably slightly upset. <laughs> I think that was a man who, that sounds like a, um, you know, like a Johnny Carson joke or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like his era. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I say the first one, the 30 days one, is um, was written by a man. And the other mm-hmm. one about the being slightly upset if her, you know, I would, I would say that's uh, a woman. But, again, mm-hmm. I'm just picking that out of thin air because these are not attributed quotes. So, um, mm, yeah. But I, I think I base that on the fact that um, I don't know why I base that. Uh, it, it, it just seems like a man or a woman would have said the thing about, well, you know, if she has her hands around your throat, she's probably mm-hmm. slightly upset, you know. That just sounds like <laughs> me, like the way a woman would put it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a great, um, you know, to talk about sort of the, these mildly extremely sexist jokes there's this great bit on Sid Caesar um, where the wife he says Caesar and his uh, the woman that was on the show whose name is escaping me um, uh, anyway she's got this expensive fur coat on and she says uh, she's talking about how she bought this fur coat and how much it costs and then um, and she just goes on and on about how much she loves it and then Sid Caesar it is all live television, of course, and they do this extreme close-up of his face, and he takes about a minute, and he generates a tear, and it comes down to speak, <laughs> and it's just brilliant moment in television. And it's like, in, you know, of course, it's like, yes, of course the woman wants a, a fur coat, and it's the most important thing to a woman, but, it's, you know, it was that era, so it's forgivable, I suppose. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're talking about humor, we can't be too bitter, can we? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, another one that I, uh, I found that, um, you know, again, male or female wrote this. When a woman says, what, it's not because she didn't hear you. She's giving you a chance to change what you said. <laughs> oh, um, man. That's like Bill Cosby or somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like Bill Cosby. Um, and speaking of Bill Cosby, uh, you know, comedy has been used for political reasons for forever. Um, do Are we seeing more political humor now, or are we seeing more women joining in political humor? Mm. That's a good question. Um, well, I think I think it's been interesting because the Daily Show has kind of changed the landscape. I think for mm. political humor, it, it completely spawned a whole generation of shows. That um, and I think uh, uh, Sheila, maybe you know, it wasn't the Daily Show co-created by a woman. Wasn't there a woman who, or who? There's someone that yeah. produced it. I think that got pushed out. I can't remember the story. Yeah, now. Liz Liz Weinstead. Or oh right, yeah, and she's That's like right. she's very political person figure now and she she came out with a book like a couple of years ago and talked about that yeah she basically helped co-create that and I don't know all the details around the you know how the the politics evolved of the running of it and her involvement in it and stuff but yeah she had a a big hand in creating it mm-hmm. yeah and, and, and we don't know why she was why she she left we don't we she was just kind of pushed out but we don't know why well, I mean, I, I have not read her book, but I'm sure if you Googled oh. it or her that it would, you know, I'm sure there's information about it. I don't think it's like a big secret. I'm just saying I, I don't, I'm yeah. not clear on the reasons why, but there was, yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, there was a big to-do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, They you usually know. are. <laughs> but, yeah, but, well, I don't know. Both men and women are, you know, human beings, and we tend to have our likes and dislikes as human beings, you know, completely aside from gender, I suppose. Um, mm. You know, isn't that profound? Do you want, to, want me to pause while you write that down? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's true. So I mean, let's, you know, it's, a, it's a wild world to navigate the, the entertainment world, and I think, you know, mm. it's, it's compounded when there's certain things. You can't talk about the fact that you're a woman, but it's also kind of a elephant in the room, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. why don't we talk about women? Uh, I mean, why not? I think when we've when we've had our festival and we've discussed it, I think people do sort of shy away about. Well, I never had any cha- challenges, uh, you know, getting on stage, et cetera, et cetera. But you still look at the numbers and, and what this, statistically speaking, women are not represented well in any of the major areas of comedies making, you know, millions of dollars. It's like a late-night television. The women are comprised of, unless it's Chelsea lately, they're less than 20% of the writing staff, and sometimes there's only one woman. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't see it, women directing comedy and film, and you don't see women women's scripts getting produced as often. I mean, thank God in the last, again, last 10, 15 years, there's been such a huge shift thanks to people like, Tina Fey, et cetera, but um, it's still like a, it's still such a small percentage and it shouldn't be. There's no reason really, um, you know, and Tina Fey actually, her, her, in her book, Bossy Pants, sort of talks about how it's a little bit of a boys club accidentally, you know, like there's, it's a lot of Harvard guys writing for SNL and it's, you know, like any, any industry, you do an internship or you're friends with somebody and then they want you to come along with them for the, yep. 
for the job, and it just happens that it's always been, you know, men, and, and, and elite men from <laughs> at an elite mm-hmm. college uh, tending to, to do that. But it's, um, you know, no one wants to talk about why it's happening as much, and I think um, that's just sort of, it's one of the, the many reasons, I think. Um, just to go back from the historical uh, reference, there's a great producer who I got to meet a couple of years ago named George Schlatter, and he co-produced Laughin and was mm-hmm. huge, and a huge advocate for women in comedy and really uh, kind of helped Lily Tomlin make it in, uh, in the beginning oh, wow. of her career. Um, she was cast on that show, and, um, and uh, he did a few specials with, uh, I, think, I think Joan Rivers was in, yeah, she was in one, um, where he, it was just women doing a one-night special comedy. Um, so he was a huge help in that way. And, it, you know, I think we need more George Slaughter's, modern George Slaughter's kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Kind of making yeah. it a little mm-hmm. bit of a priority. And then hopefully our festivals will become um, unnecessary and redundant because there's so much, it's such a norm that women are having these huge, these bigger jobs in the industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and what if a woman, will, I mean, what advice would you have for a woman who wants to go into stand-up, for example, today? Um, I, my advice would be just to keep doing it and keep mm-hmm. pushing yourself and, uh, you know, recording what you do and looking at how you can do it better and um, finding allies, you know. I think that there's a really great sketch comedy show on Comedy Central right now um, called Broad City. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazier, and they basically started just do, they they went through this really great theater in New York called the Upright Citizens Brigade, and, and um, I believe I hope, I hope I'm remembering this right. Uh, and they started a sort of a uh, a webcast where they would do sketches, and it got picked up by Amy Poehler um, mm-hmm. to produce, and now it's a show on Comedy Central, and they. They just got out there and they did it. And I think any young comic, male or female, has just got to get out there and do it and do it and do it. Yeah, and that's well, what we had um, Wendy Liebman, she has said a few times, and I mean, she's a great advocate and she's been a, a really wonderful supporter of the festival. And one of the things I remember her saying is there's no excuse for doing the work. And, I mean, that's kind of like the long and the short of it. And what Elise just said is you, you have to be – and doing it, and you have to be serious about it. If you, you know, if you want to make a career out of it, and and um, and I think you have to put some blinders on it sometimes in terms of like getting too bogged down with the state of the industry, or you know, convincing with other friends of like, oh, I didn't, you know, this one booker was, you know, was a jerk, and like, you know, you kind of have to separate that stuff out and keep your head down and and keep doing it, keep doing it and doing it. I mean, that's what, and Joan Rivers had, you know, she had always said that, like, we are so lucky to be working. She was in that great episode of uh, Louis C.K.'s show, Louis, which is one of my favorite episodes where she sort of took him to task because he was complaining about being in the smaller theater. (laughs) And she's like, give me a break. You're lucky to be, you're lucky to be in that theater. I'm lucky to be on a street corner telling jokes. You know, like mm-hmm. we're lucky to have the work, and um, yeah. and that's something that a lot of our women comics do talk about at the festival, and not in a not in a disparaging way, in a serious way. You know, like it's work, and you need to put your time in and and keep at it. And you know, I do think, like Elise said, that is that's kind of the long and the short of it. 
the hard and the easy of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that the opportunity for women com- comedians is this is is comparable to uh, the opportunity for men? Um, you know, I think having talked to our stand-ups, I think in some places it is and in some places it's not. I mean, we had one, one of our stand-ups who's, you know, really been working hard for a few years now, posted a tweet that she, of an email that she got that, that said, you know, we actually have too many women on the bill and you're not going to be able to perform. And they cut her out of the lineup because they felt like there was a quota of the number of women that were supposed to be performing, um, which I think is insane. I mean, if people, as long as the comedy is funny and it's good, then who cares? <laughs> the audience certainly shouldn't care, and I doubt they do. And maybe one person out of 100 does, but you, know, it's, it, you see that. You do see that, unfortunately. Um, some of the old, and it, I guarantee the person that was making that call had to be over the age of 40. Mm-hmm. I don't think any 25 <laughs> hey, or 30 now let's not get... <laughs> Let's not start picking out on you hey, know the I'm, old folks I'm, here, okay? Hey, I'm entering, um, I'm that up. But, yeah. uh, it's, it's true. I mean, it's just it was it was sort of the mentality. It's nobody's fault. It's just it's how it was, and so I think yeah. they that idea, and it's just not true. But you know, yeah, obviously. Well, and I think well. that you know women uh, have to learn the game, and whether that's the man's game or the woman's game or what you know just the family mm-hmm. game uh, you have to learn how to play that game and mm-hmm. if you don't you know it, it's kind of like the uh, go along to get along sometimes you have to uh, learn how to play the game whatever game you choose but you have to learn how to do it and i think a lot of times women uh, well and men um, don't, don't understand that they have to learn something. They can't just tell a funny joke and be, call themselves right. a comedian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody nobody should just get a leg up, especially if it's not funny. They're not it's hard to make it too far in your career. But mm-hmm. you know, I think I think just when you see two comedians of the same of uh, different genders, it's nice what a a booker might choose the woman if the if she's the funnier one. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you have too yeah. many, and it's in minorities too, and minorities feel it just as badly as women. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's awful in some places, and it's not like that everywhere, but it certainly still exists. You know, and it, yeah. I think women were really, a lot of comics were bummed when um, Stephen Colbert got the David Letterman spot, because mm. of course, mm-hmm. and a lot of minorities too, because it's like, well, here we go, another white male, and I, I'm not saying he wasn't the perfect choice, because I adore his show, and I adore him, but you know, I think it'd be great if there was a little bit more of a push to show some some love towards the really funny women of yeah. women and men of color and women mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I think that you know it's a, this is an interesting topic to me. I, I don't think we well maybe you guys in the industry talk about it a lot, but I don't think the general public necessarily talks about this a lot. And um, of course, you know, with the loss of two great comedians in the last few few days, yeah. uh, mm. John Rivers and Robin Williams, it's come more to the forefront. Um, the mm. thing with Robin Williams that I liked is, I mean, I didn't like that whole physical comedy thing. I'm just not a big fan of physical comedy, but mm-hmm. he had heart. You know, there's something about it you could sense mm. that he wasn't just. Um, that he, that he was doing it from the heart. He wasn't doing it to to just get a rise out of somebody. Or does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, he was, um, I don't know. He was definitely one of a kind, just as a, someone who observed him on television. As, you know, I... Anytime I saw him on anything, I would I would stop what I was doing and watch. Mm. You know, I feel like he was he was a special a special performer. And then, but so was Joan Rivers. I mean, it's hilarious. Like I I feel like most of what I saw, you know, in my twenties and thirties of her was such an, a misrepresentation of how amazing she was because it was always mm. I didn't really know her show um, when it was on in the eighties because I was a little bit young to be watching at that hour, but. Um, <laughs> I saw her doing, you know, QV, QVC and, you know, talking about celebrities, and I was like, this mm. woman is so crazy, annoying. I don't know. I don't understand. And then I saw the documentary about her, and it totally, completely changed my perspective. And, um, you know, I heard that she was a comedian before and that she was really funny, and then all of a sudden I just learned how phenomenal and uh, what a pioneer she was. And I, I wish I wish that part had been more in the forefront and when I was in my 20s and 30s. <laughs> it would have been nice. She's yeah, just yeah. special. Well, we have, uh, gosh, our time has gone so quickly today. We have a little <laughs> bit of time left. Does one of you want to just pull out your best joke and tell us? Oh, jeez. Oh, I don't no. have any jokes <laughs> of my own. <laughs> <laughs> you have to start the joke, and then I maybe can help you finish it. That's basically uh, how it works. Yeah, no, um, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> no, but I do yeah. love, um, can I share one of my favorite jokes? Joan Rivers quote sure. that I've heard recently about her that she stated, I guess in the last year or two, she's talking about giving her, um, you know, who she was going to give things to after she passed away. And she said, I wish, I really wish I had had a gay son because who's going to take all of my, uh, my, my show tune collection. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> so loving because, you know, she, she talks a lot about the gay community and how wonderful it was a sweet moment. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, I think what I spoke with, with, you, Elise, I was talking about trying to come up with some good Joan Rivers jokes. And uh, early in her career, as we said, she had some rather biting, scathing things. And I mm-hmm. think that um, toward the end of the career, just the last couple of years, she started uh, being very outspoken politically. And I think she took a lot of flack for that. But I think mm-hmm. one of the funniest things I ever heard from her was uh, she said, I've had so much plastic surgery that when I die, I'm willing my body to Tupperware. <laughs> I mean, that's so funny, you know. I mean, yeah. it doesn't hurt anybody. It does, you know. Um, it, it, it's just funny stuff. Funny stuff. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I enjoyed that. I I enjoyed that. Um, so, you know, here's to Joan Rivers, and um, here's to Robin Williams, and here's to all the great comedians that don't get mm-hmm. acknowledged uh, or recognized. Um, but you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's there. And I think the best thing that, uh, you know, anybody can do and, and Sheila, you're, you're into research and so am I. And the research has definitely showed that there is a correlation between laughter and humor, you know, people finding mm-hmm. humor and their physical health as well as their mental mm-hmm. health. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's keep yeah. laughing, you know, treat your local comedian like the local doctor. They're keeping, <laughs> they're keeping you healthy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we um, need it more than ever these yeah. days. <laughs> um, I would like to. Uh, I always end our show with a quote, and I'll tell you, it was hard to find quotes about women in, in comedy without finding um, jokes that I thought were not really funny. But this <laughs> one, I thought, was at least something to think about. There are two ways to rule a woman: 
and nobody knows them. <laughs> truth, and I that's say the, that's the exact example of truth and comedy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and ladies, let's keep it that way. Indeed. Thank you so much, to, <laughs> Sheila and Elise. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciated your being here, and thank you, listeners, for joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. Thank you. Thank you so so much. <laughs>